0: welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast, where we chat all things remote work, freelancing, mindset, and financial freedom. This week, I'm very excited to welcome on my TikTok friend, Jonathan. I haven't met you in person yet, but we will work on that someday, who is a side hustle real estate investor. I love it. Able to achieve financial freedom by age 27 and leave his corporate enterprise technology sales job. That is quite the title. To focus on Airbnb arbitrage, long-term rentals, and wholesaling, Jonathan has gained a significant social media following for his honest coverage of the world of real estate investing. I'm not going to lie, guys. I use his videos, and I use his tips with a lot of my investing right now. Starting with house hacking, from ages 21 to 25, Jonathan developed his own creative acquisition process. I love it. Mm. That he shares with clients through his personal website today. He is also the host of the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate podcast. Hi, Jonathan.
1: Hi, Alex. And it's just funny I gotta say this because, like you, I use freelancers and a lot of help outside of my own. So I'm always interested to see like what some people have written for me on my own team as a bio. So that sounds pretty good.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I actually wrote that myself.
1: Oh, did you? Okay. Then wherever you (laughs) found it, you crushed it. I'm always curious like (laughs) what they're even like putting out there, but even the age thing before you record, (laughs) like there's always little pop-ups, but no, that was great. I'm excited to I, be here. I
0: figured, yeah, like I figured since I'm a freelance writer, I have to like prove that to people, you know? So I actually, I write all of them for fun. It's like a little fun thing I do. But if you want it, I can send it to you.
1: <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, maybe we'll go after recording. I don't want to give you any extra work, but that's hilarious. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's all good. All right, so... There's a lot I want to talk to you about today. All things real estate investing, Airbnb, systems and processes, you said. I'm not good with those, so I love talking to people who are. But everyone who listens to my podcast, they either have left a stable nine-to-five job, they're planning on doing so, or they want to at some point in the future. So, at what point did you realize that you wanted to work for yourself? And was that a scary realization for you, or did it just kind of come naturally?
1: It came over time. Originally, I thought I was going to be one of these corporate climb the ladder people because my first mentor was a corporate climb the ladder person. and He was really successful, Mm -hmm. but only when I got into the actual world of it did I realize this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And for me, I'm always just kind of looking ahead at what is going on with the people that stay on the track or the path that I'm on now. Does that align with where I want to be? And after maybe like six months in it, realized that these people were not who I wanted to be someday and a lot of them weren't happy. So yeah, Yeah. it came over time for me and then I just started like getting really into learning about different strategies and coming up with a plan and then ultimately just figuring out what I needed to do to take action and not just be like paralysis analysis.
0: Yeah. So it was something that you knew you wanted to pursue, but you took the time to kind of set up the systems and everything so that you could make it a reality for yourself.
1: For sure. And it wasn't something that like, I had clear vision on from the beginning, but ultimately I knew that I could work hard enough and direct it in an area. And when I just figured out what area that was going to be or like what my skill set was, which also took a good amount of time of taking action to figure out what I was good at not doing, but then it became more obvious to me. And I kind of had this mentality of using my job to kind of build my side hustle, build my income streams and mm-hmm. slowly make an escape and then when covid happened a lot of that changed and i was able to yeah fast track some of it like a lot of people but for me mm-hmm. it definitely took a little bit of time and i wasn't so like like you i wasn't i didn't have like the, the guts to do what you did and just leave from the beginning without a plan i wanted a little bit <laughs> of a plan and then like a runway but you know different for everyone but what yeah. you did was you know like more just off Crazy. the ledge Yeah, Yeah,
0: I mean, I I don't recommend people do it the way I did it. (laughs) I'm a little spontaneous to a fault at times, so I like your way. So everyone listening, Jonathan's way (laughs) is much more responsible and purposeful than my way, so follow his way. All right, so Airbnb is such a hot topic today. Everybody wants to talk about it, myself included. I can't get enough of it, and I know you're like a treasure trove of information with Airbnb, but... Where did you start with Airbnb? You know, when did you have that light bulb where you were like, I should try this? And and what was your first thing you did with it?
1: Okay, so I guess like consolidating the story of it, but also the entry, I started with traditional rentals, and that for mm-hmm. me started with creative financing and low money down strategies. So, you mentioned in the intro house hacking. That's a really cool way for people to get started. And that was my entry. I did that three times from 22 to almost 25. And what that just means is buying a property with very little money down because you're going to live in it. So by getting an owner-occupied property, you can put 3 to 5% down. So for Mm. me, that was attainable. And I was living in North Carolina. And then the way that strategy works is you live in it. You don't put a lot of money down to start. And then the goal would be to rent out the other rooms or the other units. And by doing that, it's a really kind of like, you know, like, like soft way to get into the game of having tenants pay your mortgage for you. You live for free. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be able to make money to live. And now you're learning about real estate. And for me, that was like my start. And what I found fascinating was just how it wasn't that hard. I didn't have to start a business or start an app or go to all these years of school, like if I had the three and a half percent down and I could just hustle a little to find a deal, which is not as hard as everyone makes it out to be, then yeah. you can just do that and live for free. So that was like high level how I get into it. And then from mm-hmm. there, I was just always interested in like what the possibilities were one. I don't want to take the the wind at anyone's sales, but I started doing the math of how long it would take to be financially free on the traditional rental path. Like if you're cash flowing on a regular rental three to 500 per unit, or even sometimes less two to 400 per unit doing some math in my head, like this is going to take a long time. If I'm doing one or two of these a year, there has to be some yeah. other ways. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started getting into the world of wholesaling and flipping. And what we'll talk about probably more today is the world of furnished rentals, Airbnbs, and, you know, like mixed use days. And the first property that I actually started with was this one. It was actually a property that Mm -hmm. I just had started learning about Airbnb from YouTube. A couple of people I got a shout out. One of them I really like. And, you know, also with the power of TikTok and social media, we've become friends now. His name is Sean Rakicich. His model was all Airbnb arbitrage, and Mm -hmm. it just kind of got me more curious about it. And I purchased this place. I thought it was cool. I thought it had like an appeal of being like a treehouse. Maybe, you know, like we could put a picture up in like show notes or whatever, but it was cool and just started learning about it. And to me, it solved a lot of the problems that traditional tenants led to, which we could talk about. But I basically just started learning on YouTube reaching out to people on podcasts, starting my own podcast. That's a great hack to meet people. So I was reaching out to people. Talking, You get to have free consultations with anyone. So like, you know, whatever. So that's a hack. And then from there, I was like, you know what? I can buy this place. I bought it with creative financing. It came furnished. And the week that I bought it and closed on it, we put it up and it started getting booked. And that was just my start into it.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned Airbnb arbitrage. So for those listening who don't know what that is, you know, just explain what is Airbnb arbitrage. And do you think that pretty much anyone can do it? Or do you think a more experienced type of person should do it?
1: Okay, Airbnb arbitrage is the process of renting something from someone and re-renting it then on another platform. So you don't have to own the thing to make the spread in between. I just had someone on my podcast, could be a good person for you too. He does it with boats and he does it with kayaks and like decks. I thought this was fascinating. And literally he doesn't even own the stuff. He just rents it or gets like, you know, extended use of it. And then he re-rents it on his own sites. Anyway, that's what arbitrage is. And then as far as can anyone do it or should anyone do it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like anything, you probably get the question all the time, like, how do I get started? If you have hustle and you have ambition and you don't have a lot of money, this is the perfect strategy for you. If you are Mm kind of lazier and you have a lot of money, which is not really a combination for most young people, there's a different, I guess, path to go down. But if you have some hustle and you don't have that much money, it's an amazing strategy. You don't need a lot of experience. You can learn most of it from YouTube or just doing it yourself and then kind of jump in. So I think it's a cool strategy.
0: Yeah, I have been considering starting it, but I haven't quite yet because I know the, the hardest part probably is getting the landlords to agree to it, I'm assuming. So I've been going in through the more traditional route of just buying the properties that I own, but that's definitely something that I want to do. I guess what would be like two tips you would give someone listening to this on how to get these landlords to agree to that?
1: Okay, so the first one I'll give it might not be the most obvious, but it's a lock and it'll make the rest of your life easier. But it's not like the do it tomorrow and get in approach. I recommend starting a podcast so that you can have landlords on your show to start building relationships with them so that you're not just some random person on the other side of the internet that is cold calling them, asking them to give their most precious thing up. So, like for me, by having a podcast, I have relationships with all these landlords now which it's very easy to do if you have a phone or a mic that you can buy for 50 bucks, you could start a podcast, you don't need any listeners. So if you invite them on, they see your real, they see your professional, you could stay in touch and then tell them, hey, I am doing corporate housing. I'm doing, I'm like professional client management and we source it through apartment buildings. They would be like, Oh, that's cool, because they're you're you're fixing maybe one of their problems of having vacancy mm-hmm. or traditional tenants that mess up places. So that's the first thing. Then I guess as far as like this, so that's a guarantee. You do that, you will yeah. get clients. Now, some people they're like, That takes too much effort or whatever. That's on you. The the second yeah. way is literally just I could say the pitch, or you know, like you can get it on YouTube or you could rewatch this, but I'll say the pitch, but here's the gist. You need to be confident in like your salesmanship and your delivery. And what I recommend is once you know the words to say, say it into the mirror every day for like 30 or 60 days. Now, most people I know won't do that because it's like kind of airy fairy and just like it's a little mm-hmm. bit of extra effort. But, like you need to be confident what you're saying because people see right through someone that has no idea what they're doing. And what you say to yeah. them is, hey, I Organize a corporate housing company. We have professional clients. We have people that come between buying or selling their home. We have professional contractors that come to the area, and we offer furnished housing to them. And if that's something that your building would be okay with, we'd be happy to talk to you about picking up multiple leases or multiple units so mm-hmm. that we can deliver to this client. And that's mm-hmm. just it. I mean, there may be a little bit more, but like you say, that enough. 10 to 20 times, you know, a week, you'll start getting some warm relationships. And if you have a mm-hmm. podcast on top of that, it's a guarantee. So those are the two tips. Anyone can start today right now. Is,
0: yeah. Oh man. I'm, you know what? I'm going to have to go rewatch this episode because you just gave like so much gold right now. Anyone listening to this, everything he just said is like, I can't believe you even said it for free. The podcast thing is funny because I pretty much just keep having people on this show that I... I half want to befriend, like genuinely like these people, you, but I'm also like highly interested in what they have to teach. So it's like, I'm befriending people while I learn. So that's genius to have the exact targets that you want in your real estate empire onto your podcast. And that's why I did an episode already, guys, you should have your own podcast because genius. I mean, it's, that's a hack in and of itself. Okay, so I love how in your TikTok bio, it says, early retirement from 20 income streams. Cause I get on there Mm. all the time and I'm like, guys, I have seven to nine, you know, and everyone's always saying to me, what you're lying. How's that possible? Then I see yours says 20. So Mm. there you have it. He has 20. Can you give me like a breakdown of what those 20 are? You obviously don't need to tell me like the addresses and stuff, just the general. (sighs) Yeah.
1: Yes. I had it pulled up here, but anyway cuz i was looking at this too and actually i have some content that i was going to use for this but guys like one thing to learn you know about me or my brand and i think you're definitely an advocate of this too because you're also getting into airbnb and other investment mm-hmm. strategies is like i'm not so in love with one thing. That's why I I don't mind being like known in Airbnb, but I like all different income streams. That's Mm -hmm. to me, like the reason that I got out of the job in the first place, just like, you know, Airbnb could be in some cases, having a job is one income stream. So for me, I wanted a lot. And my favorite types are the ones that can work when you're not trading any of your time for those. So basically like high level what those consist of are each Airbnb property or furnished rentals run as its own business. So each own property, that's an income stream the traditional rentals are their own separate income streams. Some of them now are being converted into furnished rentals, either nightly or extended stays. Then from creating content, there's a lot of income streams. And as mm-hmm. you know this now, there's mm-hmm. tons of opportunity from creating content. And yeah. this isn't a secret anymore that you know attention is the new currency. Attention can be monetized. So from yeah. there, some of the income streams are we do a mastermind, YouTube ads, consulting courses, podcast sponsors, we sell digital tools, and we do Facebook ads Okay, for our Facebook group. And then another sneaky income stream that I think a lot of people could make money from is getting your real estate license. Not to do buying and selling homes, but a lot of people don't know this. If you have a real estate license and you refer someone to another realtor and they buy a home from them, you're entitled to 25% of their commission. That's for making a text introduction. I have a friend that makes 45,000 a year just for making text introductions. He's never done an open house. I'm like, wow. all right, I want that. And then the other ones are around flipping, wholesaling, and then the corporate housing, which is Airbnb arbitrage. So there's a couple other new yeah. products and stuff for launching. And then that's not even like crypto or like stocks, but like yeah. <laughs> you start doing the math guys and like you can start monetizing a lot of this stuff. Oh
0: yeah. It's like, it's like the momentum. Once it picks up, it starts going exponentially each day. And then it gets to a point where for you, it's that, you know, you became financially free at 27, which I think I did too. If I like did the math on that, we're both, I'm going to throw us under the bus bus. We're both 28 now for everyone listening. So that was, (laughs) that was last year. All right. How many hours per week do you work?
1: Okay. So I work every day until like one o'clock. I have on my 1 p.m. Okay, okay. I, I have this thing on <laughs> my calendar. No, no, no. I, I, you know, during COVID, it was a grind and all that. But like right now, I have on my calendar every day that after one o'clock, it just says no meetings. So like for yeah. me, I want to have the option to work. I, you know, this may be something that people don't believe, and you probably might get it on social media too. Of like, if you're retired or you're financially free, why are you still working? Because I, you know, I like to work. You need I, a purpose. I, I, I need I need a purpose. I need fulfillment. Yeah. I like doing stuff with cool people. So for me, I try to cut off every day at one o'clock. And if you know the way I kind of set my life up now, I like to live in warm places and I like to play golf in the afternoons. Every day is sort of different, but I know every day on my calendar, just at one o'clock, it says no meetings, end of day. So the other thing that's like you know tied to that is. Each day I theme out on my calendar of like, okay, Monday is internal, Tuesday is content creation, Wednesdays mm-hmm. is external meeting. So like, you know, I batch up, but I don't know, whatever the math is every day, four or five hours, you know, five days a week. It definitely could be more, but that's just my choice yeah. because I like the game. And you know, like if this is considered work, I like this type of work because this is cool talking yeah. to you and like, this is a meeting. So four or five hours a day.
0: Wow, okay, so that's amazing. You have 20 different income streams at just 20 hours per week of works. Everyone will always say to me, I can't do any of what all you people do because I don't want to work 60 hours a week. And I'm always trying to say to people, you don't have to work 60 hours a week. I chose to do that for a couple of years because I'm a crazy person, but I no longer do that. And my businesses have not suffered for it. But that is also in part due to systems and processes. So I know you you inputted that. So Mm. you must have some, some pretty impressive systems developed, I'm guessing.
1: Okay. So just one thing to comment on the first part of working a lot of hours. And it's one of my favorite questions to ask, too, on the podcast, because you see a lot of really successful people, their advice to the younger selves is like, oh, I would have worked less. But realistically, they probably wouldn't have been where they are if they didn't put some intense amount of work together at the beginning. Mm So, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat it, and you just said it too. There was a five-year stretch where I was figuring things out, I was finding myself, and I was working Mm -hmm. really long hours to get this done. Now, I kind of wanted to design a better system and it led to a place where there can be better systems, better delegation, like better operations that can help with, you know, doing that. Now, the first thing for me that changed everything was, and like, again, this is why this is a fun conversation, was hiring an assistant and having an assistant mm-hmm. help me with things that I wasn't good at or that I wasn't making money from or they didn't make mm-hmm. me happy. Like those are my, my three things. And if anyone is like stuck on this concept, Two great books by Michael Hyatt, I highly recommend, Free to Focus. And then I think his other one is called Your First Assistant. They really helped me put everything I was doing onto a table that I would categorize by do I like doing it, am I good at doing it, or does it make me money, or do I hate doing it? And then kind of finding that sweet spot of what are the things that I'm good at doing and make me money and everything else I could figure out how to get rid of. So hiring an assistant, which is scary for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and you hear that all the time, I'm sure. But you know, for me, even just starting small with like five or 10 hours a week and giving them more responsibility, finding them on places like Fiverr, Upwork, freelance, online jobs, PH, even Facebook groups. There's some amazing Facebook groups for assistants, yeah. you know, obviously, but that's how I got started. And, and from there, another thing from Michael Hyatt, I recommend for everyone listening to this Everything we do more than once, we document the process. It's like that book, Checklist Manifesto. Like, surgeons don't cut people open without a checklist. Pilots don't fly planes <laughs> without a checklist. We need it too in our business. We're not better than that. So, anything yeah. we do more than once, we just write out the steps. And then that way we can either sell it as a product, create content around it, or delegate it to someone else on our team. And that really was the start of like, you know, everything that we do, turning it into a system.
0: So you work with virtual assistants then, I'm assuming there's not like a someone like in person behind you.
1: So my main assistant now, her name is Claire. She is awesome. And we actually started working together from when we were both in the same corporate job. She was just like an SDR and she and guys, this is another tip. Let people know what you need help with, you know, like mm-hmm. people that. And again, I was embarrassed to do it at the beginning, but like now anytime I need help with something, my first like move is outreach on social media to create a story or a Facebook post. You don't know who's been watching you or who may know someone from your first degree friends or connections that can be someone that can help you. So like I just posted yeah. originally that I needed help with the podcast and she's like, hey, I want to learn about real estate. Could we maybe do a little mentee mentorship? thing where you teach me, teach me about that and I'll help you with the podcast. So she was the first person. She's still with me. From there now, we've hired people virtually. We have about 10 people that help with stuff kind of like, you know, all the time. And I'd say yeah. like six or seven of them are virtual, Philippines, Cambodia, Colombia. And then another cool place that we just started sourcing amazing talent from is called Military Moms. They're helping manage our new Airbnb management company. And they're going to be like first responders, so to speak. And these chicks are beasts. They are helping with everything. And like, they're just, they have great attitudes. They speak English. They're looking for work. It's just called military moms. And I've been so impressed with them. So now we have some more people coming on from that. And like, they have other friends that are other military moms, you know? So people is a hard formula to solve for, but like, You know, that little tip, I found it awesome and it's been helping me. So, just a a new one.
0: Oh, man. I like wish I could. I kind of want to be taking notes right now of everything that you're saying, but I'm like, I should. And I'll wait until I watch this again. (laughs) That's awesome. Military moms. Oh, my God. I love that. Cause, yeah, I have two virtual assistants in the Philippines. My best friend now works with me full time in person and online. She's like more than an assistant, she's my like entire business manager. But I didn't start Mm -hmm. doing that until my seventh year. So, yeah, for my first six years, I was just kind of dying a little bit and I hit that point where I I think I read enough 4 hour work week where I was like okay I hear it automation and systems I'm working dumbly at this point if I haven't you know created the systems that make it work do you use any particular like workflow management system like monday or slack or anything do you have a favorite
1: Okay. So I'm a massive nerd when it comes to this stuff. I'm I just, <laughs> I'm into it. I liked it. Yeah. I, not as much like now, but I went a phase where I tried every tool and some people they jump on, they're like, the tools don't matter. I don't really agree with that. The tools matter. It's just, you need to know which one fits your workflow and like which one you're going to use. So yeah. for me right now, and I can't say I recommend it to everyone, but it's become like, the end-all be-all for everything I do personally and business-wise, it's Notion, Notion Notion.so. And it's a combination of spreadsheets, project management, note-taking, pictures and video, and even messaging in one tool. So we use that, it does integrate with Slack, but that's how we assign every task, all of our team Mm -hmm. members have access to it. I was using Asana before it. The thing with Asana compared to Notion, I didn't like the mobile app as much and I didn't uh-huh. like the, you know, some of it wasn't as versatile. It was, su- was oversimple for me and we had some like special needs. So our main tools are Notion, Slack, we use Google Suite and I have a list of it somewhere but those are the three main that like run our business and then I'd say this is another piece of software that it's not, people might not think it's software, Facebook. Facebook has become one of the most like important things to monetizing things, organizing communities, getting the word out there about products. I know some people don't love Facebook right now, but like, it's an amazing tool that you can use for your benefit. So those are probably the four main things I'm in or on every day.
0: Oh, I'm curious with Facebook, do you post about things like in Facebook groups, you're saying kind of like if you're selling something or I know sometimes people even list homes for rent and for sale on Facebook, right?
1: Okay. Yeah. Facebook is like, and again, they're not paying me to say this, but Facebook yeah, yeah. Is, is one of the most underrated business tools, period. Like Facebook groups, I think are becoming more of like a household thing. You know, I would say this year alone, Facebook groups made me mid six figures. Okay. From either people I met monetized Facebook groups or like sponsors it's of insane. Facebook group. So like you can start them and you can add value to a community there and become a thought leader. You can also start paid ones and monetize you know we could talk about that too we have a new community now that they just sign up with a stripe link they get access to a community that's uh, in in one week became an income stream and then also like getting help and advice and finding people we've this property we found two traveling nurses from a traveling nurse gypsy facebook group we post in there that we have something coming up and it gets filled so I think it's, it can do a lot of things and I've also met business partners from there, you know? And like for me, just one like last little rant here when I was still (laughs) a little nervous about posting content while I still had my job, the way that I created a brand and gated that content because I didn't let people into the Facebook group that were from my job, I created a Facebook group and that's how I started with thought leadership. And then, you -hmm. know, it's cool is you can get people's emails when they join the group and then you can add them on your marketing campaigns for your mailers. And like, you can really start this, to your point, it all starts to feed itself and kind of connect itself. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool, you know, underrated tool.
0: Wow, this is getting me like pumped up right now. Like I love when I have <laughs> chats like this with people, I get like actually so excited after to go implement all of this. I've been having a Facebook group for the last year. Or so it's almost a 20,000 members, which I'm like, have worked Whoa. super hard to do. I always tell myself though, I'm like, oh, if I ever did a paid one, like who's going to pay to get into it? But I guess that's not how I should be thinking, right? Like I should be thinking, no, people are going to pay to join. I don't know. Like I I have to make it really good to get people to pay. Right. I mean,
1: (laughs) let me, let me give you, you could, you could create uh, Alex by the end of this week, you could create another income stream that makes you $5,000 a month. Here's easily how you could do it. I literally was like, you know what? I have a higher ticket thing, but I'm not as excited about it. And to me, it feels more like, I have to go sell every month. And again, that's not passive income. So I was like, you know what's passive income? A membership community. So what I did was I just made like five posts on Instagram. I posted it in the Facebook group and I was like, hey, this is gonna be a special offer. It's probably gonna be more expensive the next quarter we open this up. But for the next three weeks, I'm gonna be offering and promoting and doing some specials for people that join. Here are the details. I created a landing page in Notion. At the bottom of it, I just set up a Stripe link that's reoccurring, $15 a month. And then every day on TikTok, I went live for like two weeks. I had it as my background on live. And I was like, hey, here's the details. For the first 200 people that join, I'm going to be doing a private Zoom. And for the first 50 people that join, I'm going to be doing a 15-minute one-on-one FaceTime. And that thing just started filling. And now we're at like 280 people after a month. And that's $15 a month. And you know what? Like, I'm providing value in there, but also it's a community that since people paid, they're going to be helping themselves. So that's just yeah. another income stream. So like if you you trust me, people would love it if you did that, like they would be in it in a second. I would be.
0: Oh my God. Genius. I mean, it's just genius how much you sim- you've simplified it, right? Like when you explain it like that, it's like, oh yeah. I think sometimes the more educator side of me than the sales side trips the sales side of me up. But, yeah, I mean, that's genius. Sometimes I feel like I do too much stuff for free, <laughs> like, all over the place. And I have to get better about that. But I'm, I'm actually probably going to bother you after this and ask you to just explain that to me one more time in writing. I'll you owe you, it. like, a fruit basket or something. This is, oh, man, guys, anyone listening to this, this episode is like, you should re-listen to this. I'm going to listen to this again. There's so much value in this. I'm like blown away by how much value is coming out in this. I have to ask you this question because I get asked this all the time. Or not asked, I get told this all the time when I post that I want to get into Airbnb. I have people say, congrats on displacing people and becoming part of the worst portion of our country. Screw you. You're the reason why people are homeless. Mm. I get a lot of hate whenever I post it. So I'm, do you get that hate from people? Do you get like your, you know, landlordship is not a vibe.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh, anyone that says that. And also my my like view on it has changed originally, like from the original, I wanted to get more educated on like why people say that. And like, where's the basis yeah. of it? You know, and like I went hard down like the business path for a long time. So I wanted to see if there was like a leg to stand on for that side of it. Here's where I, I fall on it now. Okay. One fixing up houses and putting tenants in an area It improves the neighborhood and improves the value of all the homes there. And when you improve a neighborhood, it gets safer. And you're providing housing for people that there's a housing shortage right now. That's traditional rentals. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fine. For Airbnbs, okay, there is just a change coming in the way that people travel or the way that people look for housing when they travel for vacation, but also for living, you know, like you're an example of this, I'm an example of this too, that, you know, there's a change in the way that younger people want housing. They don't want to sign these long-term lock-in leases that they have to lug their furniture across the country. So ultimately, while there may be some problems or some antiquated ways that like, you know, still happen, there's a, a new thing that's happening too, where people want furnished housing. So As far as for vacations, the cost for people to stay in Airbnbs in groups is way cheaper than if they each had their own hotel room. Now, Mm -hmm. for someone traveling alone, yes, I still travel in hotels a lot of times when I'm traveling by myself. You know, it's just like the need is different for everyone. And then as far as like the furnished housing and, and like, you know, is that taking away housing from someone else? You know, ultimately, we do live in a a free capital society where you know, I have moved cities to live in cheaper cities because that supported my goals. So if someone is living in a city that's, quote unquote too expensive, then the harsh reality is that if they want to live in that city, they need to have higher value skills so they can make more money to live in that area. Now, some of them may yeah. say, well, that's not fair well, you know, it's not fair that some people, you know, are born with a disability or some, you know, like there's all these different things to say about it, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's, there's just economic sides of it that I recommend they read Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. That might change their whole perspective on it. That was one one of the most impactful books for me, but ultimately those are just haters. You, you know, I remember when you were on my podcast, you had some great feedback on haters and you know what, like, they have their opinion and, you know, there's a reason they're living in the U.S. and not in Russia or Venezuela, you know?
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like it's people don't want to be told the just reality of everything, which is do what you need to do, then you work hard or whatever. Like nobody wants to hear that anymore today or if you say it it's insensitive but I'd like to thank everyone listening to this podcast is down with the upward mobility advancing ourselves working hard things so I think everyone listening to this will agree with what we're saying okay final thing your TikTok your TikTok blew up quite quickly if I remember like I think I started following you and and then it grew by like 100,000 followers in like 2 months or something what would your tips be to someone listening like how did you grow your TikTok so quickly
1: okay so On one hand, I do think that like anything, it's kind of like that book, Who Moved My Cheese, a great book on just like mentality of life. I think the same thing could be happening with, you know, some investments right now. The same thing with content. I think TikTok, you know, like it had an insane heyday and it may not be dead, but I feel like you could still tap into it now. Yeah, Yeah. Like there was a time when I feel like you could post something that would be the same video today, maybe like eight months ago. And it would just blow up. But but I would say it's still an amazing opportunity to get attention and to kind of build a brand. What I did was I'm a big believer in accountability groups. And just like sometimes I'm not as productive and not lazy as people think. I'm pretty lazy, but like, I just know that. And I force myself not to be. So I started this accountability pod where we had to post like three to five times a day. And ultimately the other thing that I learned in doing that, it's kind of like, this other like social little experiment I did once where a group of us we had to like go up and try to get a girl's number for 30 days. What it made me realize, <laughs> the same thing with TikTok, is that no one cares. Like like yeah. quality matters way less than you think. Like editing matters way less than you think. You just need volume. And like, yeah. if one out of 10 gets 50,000 views, like who cares? Like that'll convert someone. So by creating volume, it took a lot of the pressure off. I like this other tool. It's called Pin Talk. What I like with that is sometimes I'll see something in like another space. It could be good inspiration for a video type that I want to do. And TikTok right now doesn't have folders. So I would just save videos from all sorts of people and think about how could I recreate that with Airbnb or with maybe mm-hmm. crypto or or whatever, anything I was doing and and store that and keep motivation. And then the other thing was, you've probably talked about this a lot and it's just like a general productivity thing, but ultimately it's just about creating the space in your life to do it. You know, like if yeah. you say I'm going to create TikToks at Tuesday at you know, 10 o'clock or whenever you do mm-hmm. it, You know, that's the time to film and knock them out. That's not the time to figure out what you're going to actually make the videos about that time. That's just sitting down and putting your face in a camera and then doing it. And I guess one last tip as you have, you know, videos get more popular now, try to answer every question that you get at the beginning with a video reply. It adds another video to your feed and it also makes that person more of a fan and they see that like you care about them. And, you know, those type of things, if you stay consistent, that's the key word, you'll still grow a lot.
0: I always try and time the filming of my TikToks with podcasts because I put makeup on because otherwise throughout the week I don't have makeup on. So I always am like, okay, is my hair going to be washed that day? Am I going to do my makeup? I guess I'm going to film the TikToks today. But I do pretty much the exact same thing you do as my content creation process. I'll favorite videos. Not because I liked them, but I'll be like, oh, I can recreate this from a freelancing spin. So then later, I'm going to just go into my favorites on TikTok and open each one, grab the audio, and just spin it to freelancing. And it's so much easier to me than creating content on Instagram where you have to, like, come up with the photo, edit the photo, come up with the caption. You know, it's, it's a whole thing to me that it needs to look nice. Even though I feel like Instagram's totally dead at this point, I'm honestly okay with it. I, I do think TikTok is, is possibly hit its peak, sadly, because I, I really love the come up on it. But that means there's going to be another TikTok on the horizon, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there always is. You keep mentioning crypto. I'm just curious. Do you have a favorite crypto that you love?
1: Okay. So, and one thing I just got to say, every time I see you post on Instagram, even though if you think it's dying, I'm always like, she kills it on Instagram. And like, whatever the <laughs> strategy is, I'm like... Uh, that's what we need to do. So if you guys aren't oh, following man. Alex on Instagram, definitely check her out because I'm Thank always you. like, I send your stuff to our people. I'm like, how do we make that? Okay. So oh, no. anyway, I think crypto is here to stay, but I think that the majority of people who are like, like I'm studying this chart and I'll show you how they're good at marketing and they're good at making money from courses and they may make money from crypto too. My view on crypto is this. It's just like what I do for stocks. It's the same thing I've been doing for like four years. I just dollar cost average, like my five favorite, okay? And with crypto, I even do it more out of sight, out of mind that like every month across Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin, I just buy $300 worth of each two times a, a, a month. And it just buys it in Coinbase and it moves it over BlockFi. I don't think about it. I don't touch it. And, you know, I'm just betting on those three kind of like blue chips long term. And yeah, I mean, that's done well. I have never found like picking a stock or a crypto and then like buying it or selling it quickly worked for me because I don't know, I'm not like a, a met like beyond saying that I'm impulsive or like emotional. So, you know, that would be something is important. So I just dollar cost average the big three in crypto. And then for stocks, I do a thing. I think it's Facebook, Apple, Netflix, and Google, whatever that is, or I don't know, but that's, that's my view, yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. I know my crypto is sitting in Coinbase right now, so I haven't plugged a wallet in, which I know is, like, irresponsible of me, so you just also reminded me that I need to get it out of Coinbase, like, today, maybe, because I've I've had it sitting in there for, like, six months. I'm one of those people, I love trying out things, but I'm actually not tech-savvy. I don't like tech like I I don't I use it because I have to but it's not a passion of mine <laughs> so I'll like buy the crypto but then I won't put it into the wallet that's like where I'm stubborn with it but then mm-hmm. it helps me to talk to people like you because it reminds me to like get my life together <laughs> with it so to wrap this up let's say someone's listening to this right now and they want to become financially free what would be your top two tips you would give this person on why this can be the reality. And they have to start thinking it can be.
1: Okay. So I'll just say why, and then I'll give like some step-by-step tactics that anyone listening can just start today and literally be financially yeah. free in a year. Like there's no, maybe like you definitely can. Yeah. So here's the biggest misconception of financial freedom. You're not looking to replace your income. You're looking to replace your cost of living. So at the beginning, it's a game of lowering your cost of living and adding income streams. If you're 20 something listening to this, I'll just say it straight up. If you want to be financially free, your cost of living should not be more than 5,000 a month. Now, once you're maybe more established like Alex or not that mine's like way over that either, but I was sacrificing for a while and saving Mm -hmm. and adding income streams. So you don't need this crazy elaborate plan that I used to hear when I was in corporate of replacing your W2 income. That's just not attainable because also once you buy back all your time by not having the job, you'll add even more income streams. So, you'll be able to make more money. Your dollar per hour will be worth more. So that's like the reason that you should. And like a misconception with it, you should, because it's just like a better life and working for someone that doesn't care about you. Isn't all that great. So that's that Mm -hmm. If you want to actually become financially free today. Like the easiest, like one, two, three steps you could do is in the real estate world. For example, one house hacking That means you're buying something, living in it, and you're renting out the other rooms or units. By doing that, you don't have a cost of living. For like 75% of Americans, their biggest monthly expense is housing. So if you can knock that out Mm -hmm. and you only have to worry about maybe a car, food, and then like some fun stuff. Okay, car, same thing. Knock out the car. Buy a dinker car, at least at the beginning, and just then you have one less expense to worry about. So now you're like expenses. Okay. Then what I would recommend is you could start by creating content, start a podcast or get mm-hmm. your real estate license. Again, these are down mm-hmm. the real estate path, but I feel like these are just so guaranteed that like anyone could. So yeah. start learning about real estate. If you get your license, then you could do the traditional thing. I'm not a huge fan of that, but you could just be the connector and get all that referral income, which is really cool. If you're good at branding and having a podcast, then you can meet the people to make the connections. And then from there, let's yeah. say you want to start a digital product, you know, like you can either start it yourself, you know, like come up with a spreadsheet or a tool that you use to analyze deals, or you can get creative with like building a brand on some of these other platforms and get sponsorships. You know, like that's a whole other world that I think people, if they put a year into any social media, you will have opportunities mm-hmm. to get sponsors at the end of one year. I was amazed, but oh, yeah. it's definitely possible. So I would say if you just do those couple things and go down the path of like education and just like an hour a day of learning, you'll be financially free in a year. No doubt.
0: Love it. I have nothing else to add to that. It's the perfect segue for it. Also funny enough, I'm actually studying for my real estate license right now. I'll chat with you after this about it. Yeah. I've been curious to, I just want to know more about the process myself. Like I just want to be better prepared and more educated into the deals I'm going into so that nothing bad happens to me because I had a bad thing happen with my first house I bought where I didn't Mm. do full due diligence. So guys, education, education, teach yourself things so that you don't have that happen to you. Where can everyone find you, Jonathan? Where where do you live online?
1: Okay. I answer every single Instagram DM. So anyone that DMs me on Instagram, J-O-N-J-F-A-R-B, We could talk more about how I do that later, Alex, process-wise, but every single DM gets answered. My handle on TikTok is the same thing, J-O-N-J-F-A-R-B. And then we also have a Facebook group and a podcast called Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate. Any post in there I try to comment on, or we have a really active, vibrant community that helps each other. So those are the main ways. So get in touch, check out the content. And if there's anything you like, great. If there's anything you don't like, let me know. We can try to fix it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing Jonathan thank you so much like this was insane I'm already about to go listen I'm gonna have my assistant listen to this the second it uploads into Riverside
1: (laughs) thank you for having me this has been really fun Alex